Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. It's official. The WHL season has been extended by a couple of weeks. That also coincides with the pushback of the Memorial Cup, but we have dates. Don't look now, but the 2022 World Junior Championship is back on, but in August. How different are the rosters going to look? We'll update the CHL's top 10 and the pairwise ranking in the NCAA. And we got a full slate of guests. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Gee Flaming. Really excited to uh, chat with you this week. It's going to be a great show. want to welcome everyone who is a newcomer to the program. Maybe this is your first ever episode of the Pipeline Show that you're listening to. Well, you picked a good week to do that. If you're a returning listener, then welcome back. I'm glad to have you aboard again. And for all of those who have uh, signed up to be patrons, well, a special thank you for that support. And uh, I hope you're enjoying Early access, all the interviews that you're going to hear on this week's episode have been available to patrons who pay a couple of bucks a month, even less than that for those who have signed up for an annual package. Uh, They've been able to hear these interviews for two, three days. Just one of the perks of being a patron. You can do that too at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Speaking of which, the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is absolutely the best jerky you've ever had. It's Alberta's best beef jerky because you can't win friends with salad. There are two locations of Wilhock, both just outside of Edmonton, one south, that's Leduc, the original location, and also in Spruce Grove. you got to go to Wilhock and to buy it. They've got it all refrigerated after it's been uh, smoked and marinated and all of that stuff that they do. But you can, if you're in Western Canada, you can order it straight from Leduc, and they will ship it to you. Vacuum sealed, fresh on delivery, absolutely delicious. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. That is W-I-L-H-A-U-K, WilhockBeefJerky.com. Let's jump into the news and notes. I started by mentioning the WHL season has been pushed back. This is something we've talked about and have expected for a long time now, probably a month. Remember the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League announced they were doing that. They're pushing it all the way back to the end of uh, April. In fact, I believe the first weekend of May. Uh, and I expected the WHL would be would push it back two or three weeks. Uh, it is two weeks that they are pushing the season back. April 17th now, the regular season will conclude. That's from uh, April 3rd, so now it's April 17th. 
The playoffs are scheduled to begin on April 22nd with the WHL final beginning on June 3rd to the 14th. And the Memorial Cup in St. John, we have the dates for that now. June 20th, it will begin and end on June 29th, right before the NHL draft in early July. So a condensed schedule there for sure. We haven't heard officially about the NHL uh, Combine. I have a guest today. We're going to talk about that uh, briefly, but no confirmed date. Obviously, right now, we don't know 100% that the draft will happen in Montreal either. But at this point, I think that's the expectation that we're kind of getting back to normal now. But it is now official that the WHL season has been pushed back. The top 10 in the Canadian Hockey League, again, dominated by the Western Hockey League. Winnipeg still holding down the number one spot. They've uh, started to play again, and they haven't missed a beat. They Remember, they took the first couple of weeks of February off, but they returned to action and uh, laid a beating on their first couple of opponents. So Winnipeg's still number one. Charlottetown is at two. The Oil Kings are back up to number three, followed by Everett and Portland with Kamloops at six. So five of the top six are from the WHL. Then it's Hamilton, Kingston, Shawinigan, and Sherbrooke rounding out the top ten with honorable mentions this week going to Seattle, Flint, and the Mississauga Steelheads. Some really great, entertaining uh, races towards the playoffs in the standings across the Canadian Hockey League. Now, the other big news item was the announcement that the World Junior Championship is coming back. When they canceled it in December, they said that they hoped they'd be able to reschedule it. Well, that has happened now. It will take place in Edmonton and Red Deer once again. It will be in August. Gord Miller from TSN reporting that it will uh, be held in Edmonton and Red Deer right after the Holinka Gretzky Cup, which is uh, August 1st to 6th in Edmonton. And they're completely scrubbing what we saw in December. So those games don't matter. They're starting the tournament right from scratch. All the same teams are involved. All the same players are expected to be there. But I wonder. That's the part that's got me a little bit, uh, well, I guess maybe take a wait-and-see attitude. Because you got a number of players now who were there in December who, in August, they're going to be a couple of weeks away from NHL training camps and guys looking to stick in the NHL, do you risk, you know, injury or something like that at the World Junior when you're that close to starting your NHL career for some of these guys? I mean, a guy like Mason McTavish or Owen Power. Owen Power is in college right now, but he's probably in the NHL next year. What if he goes to the World Junior Championship in August and has an injury? And I guess you can make the argument injuries can happen anytime, can happen in practice. But I wonder if it gives some players pause to uh, reconsider and it's not just the uh, canadians that i'm thinking about but you know on the american club there are guys who are that close as well to starting their professional careers maddie Beniers probably in seattle next year could say the same about jake sanderson going to ottawa i don't think anybody is expecting either of those guys back in college hockey so it just makes me uh, wonder if uh, if in fact we'll see the complete same 100 percent same rosters Here's another one, Sebastian Kosa, Edmonton Oil Kings goaltender who didn't even get to dress in the first two games that Canada played, and I'll be quite honest, hasn't really looked like himself here in the last uh, month and a half of WHL Act since the uh, tournament was cancelled, and I wonder mentally if it kind of messed him up, Not you know, if, if his confidence is kind of rattled. Don't get me wrong, he's still a really good goaltender and he's played some good hockey, but there have also been times when he didn't look like himself here 
uh, in uh, throughout January and into February. But he's not going to be back in the WHL next year. He's going to be ready to start his pro career with the uh, Detroit Red Wings organization. Does he go back and play for Canada again or not play for Canada again? You know, is it worth it? I think that's a really valid question. So we'll see. Only time will tell. But uh, the World Junior Championship back on. Now, it also takes place after the NHL draft. And this is such a big showcase event. I mean, a guy like Uri Slavkovsky, who's having such a great Olympics uh, for Slovakia, you know, fortunate for him that he was able to go to the Olympics and use that stage kind of like what he would have done at the World Junior Championship. So the, the timing of it is a little weird to have it, you know, so late, obviously. It's not going to be like that again next year. But uh, I guess it's good news that it will be back, it will be played, it will be in Edmonton and uh, Red Deer so that the fans, all the people who bought tickets, I assume they'll be able to use those same tickets. And by August, knock on wood, I, I can't even say, hey, we should have COVID licked by then. Because every time we've thought that in the past, uh, uh, it's reminded us that uh, it's in charge, not us. All right, let's move on. Uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League's Brooks Bandits are the number one ranked team across the country in the Canadian Junior Hockey League. That's a Junior A Hockey Tier 1. Like the USHL, the North American Hockey League is Tier 2. But in Canada, you've got Major Junior, and then uh, the next level is the CJHL. While the Brooks Bandits are number one, followed by Summerside, Ottawa, the Cam River Fighting Walleye are four, and uh, Longueuil is five. St. Jerome is six. Then you've got the Red Lake Miners, Timmins Rock, Estevan Bruins, and the Spruce Grove Saints coming in at number 10. The hottest team in the USHL continues to be the Tri-City Storm. They've got a huge lead over the Sioux City Musketeers in the Western Conference standings. Tri-City has 62 points coming into this weekend's play. The Musketeers have 48, so that's a 14-point gap, uh, if my math is correct, and quite often is not. In the Eastern Conference, Dubuque still sitting on top, one point ahead of both Chicago and Muskegon, and Stephen Halliday having a uh, a big night recently as he scored and became that franchise's uh, all-time leading scorer since the team uh, rejoined the USHL at, at the Tier 1 level. Halliday was on the Pipeline show earlier this year. We've been kind of, you know, we have the draft spotlight segment. Well, I've, been, I've also been including some of the guys who are older, you know, the 19-year-olds who have gone through the draft once, even twice, some guys, uh, because I think this year we're going to see a lot more overage players uh, being selected. I think Halliday is a guy who will be drafted. As we uh, go out to break, I'll actually play you that clip of his goal to uh, set the record. Moving over to the North American Hockey League, Alex Malinowski, who is uh, from Sweden, going to American International College uh, for his NCAA career, which I have, I do have a question. He's played two games professionally in Sweden, and I thought that would negate his uh, NCAA eligibility. Maybe a question for Mike Snee with uh, College Hockey, Inc. But he's leading the North American Hockey League right now in uh, scoring. He and Cole Dubicki both tied with 59 points coming into this weekend's action. Cade Nelson from Aberdeen, not that far off with 55, but uh, a nice race atop the scoring in the North American Hockey League. And then shifting over to the NCAA, some big games in college hockey this weekend. Boston College and Northeastern collide, and I, I'm thinking everybody is getting their players back from the Olympics in time for this weekend's action. I guess we'll see if Devin Levi is available for Northeastern as well as the other players. Denver and Western Michigan play this weekend. That should be a good series. North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth as well. 
Ohio State's been uh, really strong this year. They take they're taking on Michigan this weekend. Those are just some of the uh, highlight games, the marquee games. Uh, but let's check the pairwise rankings. Sometimes we do the uh, top twenty poll, but at this time, I think we should start focusing more on the pairwise because that's what's important to get into the national tournament. The number one team, according to the pairwise, is Michigan with a record of twenty three seven and one. Right behind them are Minnesota State and then Denver, Western Michigan, and Minnesota. In fact, there's a three-way tie for fifth with Minnesota, Quinnipiac, and Minnesota Duluth. All three of them basically tied for fifth. Uh, St. Cloud, Massachusetts are next. Then you've got Michigan Tech, North Dakota, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Boston University. Clarkson and UMass Lowell, that's your top 16, but, you know, that's the bubble there. Notre Dame, BU, Clarkson, UMass, they're not safe. And the next few clubs, Northeastern, Providence, Connecticut, and Merrimack, they're trying to push their way up into that bubble. AIC is a top club from the Atlantic Conference, so uh, they, they've got to basically, well, they have to win their way in. Whoever wins the Atlantic uh, Conference uh, will get that automatic bid and probably the only team from that conference that will get into the at national championship. Hey, you saw this at Pro Stock Hockey. You can get all youth sticks and gloves come now with free personalization all year long as well. So as they say on their Twitter feed, treat your future pro to a custom stick or a custom pair of gloves only at ProStockHockey.com. They've got tons of new overstock sticks from uh, Warrior as well with designs for uh, Sebastian Ajo and uh, Mark Scheifele, Patrice Bergeron. So visit ProStockHockey.com. And, of course, a reminder, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. If you're through Red Deer, I recommend stopping by the Tap Room. You can try some of their brews that are exclusive to the Tap Room. You can also go to the fridge and build your own six-pack. And keep in mind, it's not just beer. It's uh, They've got spirits and sodas, something for everyone at Troubled Monk. I was in Red Deer last weekend uh, doing an Oil Kings game, but uh, did not get to Red Deer in time uh, early enough where I could stop by and say hello to the fine folks over at the Troubled Monk Brewery. But it is definitely on the to-do list. Got to get some new apparel. They got a great hoodie that uh, I acquired about a year ago, but uh, it's been uh, liberated by my son, who wears it all the time. So I'm going to have to go back and uh, pick up a new hoodie just for me. All right, but we've got a great lineup of guests for this week's show Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with a 2022 draft spotlight segment. And the player's name is Lane Hudson. He's a defenseman with the U.S. National Development Program. We saw him at the World U18 last year. He's having another strong season this year. A guy is probably not going to be a first-rounder, but uh, I think he's definitely a second-round pick. So Lane Hudson, we'll get to know him. He's going to Boston University and continuing with a college theme. There's a goaltender at Quinnipiac. He's uh, Canadian, but he is having an unbelievable season this year. His name is Yaniv Peretz. He's kind of burst onto the scene this season, and uh, the Bobcats are having a heck of a year, and he is a, a big reason for that. We'll get to know him. He's an overage player. In fact, he's 22 years old, so no, don't even think about the draft for him. But he is an NHL free agent, and uh, the year he is having, you know he's going to be getting attention, so uh, let's get to know Yaniv Peretz. Then we'll go back to the 2022 draft spotlight segment, and one of the uh, highest-ranked players in the entire class comes from the WHL. His name is Connor Geeky, playing for the Winnipeg Ice. Had a really enjoyable conversation with him this week. 
And uh, we will close things out with a, uh, well, he's a big hitter when it comes to uh, the CHL. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. We're going to talk about the NHL draft. He's got new rankings out at Sportsnet. And the CHL top prospect game, the rosters are out. We'll talk about that with Sam as well. But we're going to start things off with the 2022 draft spotlight. First up is Lane Hudson, defenseman with the U.S. National Development Program. He is up first. This is the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Deals inside of the net, and he scores! There it is. History made in Dubuque tonight, and it comes just a minute and a half into the first period, and Stephen Halliday is the Tier 1 scoring leader. Hey, this is Stephen Halliday. I play on the Beef Fighting team, and this is the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one. Bud, what is it? Bucktooth Belgian White, a light and citrusy, flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Player comparable, Patrick Kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming i got a bad feeling about this back on the pipeline show we're going to continue with this week's episode and uh, kick off with a 2022 draft spotlight where we'll get to know another player that's eligible for the upcoming nhl draft uh, of course, a reminder that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky you've ever had. You can get it in two locations in Alberta at Leduc or in um, Spruce Grove. Uh, but they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. Just contact Trent in Leduc. That's WilhockBeefJerky.com. All right, we uh, head south of the border, though. My next guest is a member of Team USA's U18 squad that at the National Development Program, uh, having a terrific season, nearly a point-per-game player. This year, as a defenseman, my guest is Lane Hudson. Lane, welcome to the Pipeline Show, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure for me to get a chance to speak with you. You're having a terrific season. I know the uh, the the U.S. program always plays such an interesting schedule because I know you're listed as being part of the USHL, but really only a third of your schedule is in the league. Uh, you play that Division One opponents, and you play the international contingent as well. Although this year, I know some of that's been screwed up because of COVID, right? I mean, you're supposed to be in Finland right now, aren't you? Yeah, uh, Finland got canceled, so we were trying to schedule some more college games, and we ended up just taking an off week, which was us just training, which was uh, it was good for us to get uh, as much uh, lifting workouts in that we could. Because uh, we aren't going to have time for that uh, down the stretch that we're having now. Well, make good use of that time off for sure. Uh, tell me about the season so far for, for you and the club. I mentioned uh, just about a point per game, 34 points in 37 games for you. Uh, how's the team playing? Uh, the team's playing very well. Like um, Everyone's really uh, getting to know or like have gotten to know each other after that first year, our U17 year, and we were a great team then, but uh, I feel like our team is taking strides into just playing a complete game, 
and uh, just being good on both ends of the puck, and it's made it easier on me. And, uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun this year. Well, and last year you were a half a point per game player. This year, as I mentioned, almost a full point per game player. Why the big jump for you? It's more of a comfort thing for me, I feel. Um, coming into last year, I was there was an adjustment period, and uh, it was it was pretty hard getting used to the level of competition I was playing, and uh, mm. you know, get, getting into this year, I'm a lot more comfortable, and uh, I know uh, I know what I can do, and uh, I know know what uh, what my teammates' tendencies are, so it helps when uh, you develop chemistry and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, this year has been really fun. I think I know the answer to this already, but has your defensive partner changed much throughout this year? I'm pretty sure I just had your D partner on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I started out with uh, Ryan Chesley. Mm-hmm. We played together for a big chunk of the big chunk of the first half of the season, and then I uh, played with uh, Charlie Letty for a little bit. And uh, right now I'm back with uh, Chesley, so... Yeah, it's uh, those are the only two that I've uh, consistently played with this year. Yeah, Ryan was the the guy I had on the show not that long ago, and uh, I, I want to get your take. Uh, he said the chemistry is pretty special, but what uh, what makes it click for you guys? For in in your perspective, why do you guys click well together? Uh, just how well he can defend, and uh, just how we make reads off of each other defensively, and uh, just uh. It's just a comfort thing, knowing he's back there with me. If he, if he joins the rush, I'll be back there for him. If I join the rush, I know uh, he'll be back for me. So it, it's been really, uh, really easy playing with him. All right. Uh, Lane Hudson is my guest. He's a member of Team USA, the uh, U.S. National Development Program, and uh, draft eligible this year. And that's, that's what we like to do in this segment, Lane, is uh, let my audience get to know somebody that's draft eligible. Uh, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular listeners will know about the program and what it's all about and where you're going to play uh, your uh, Division One uh, career and all of that stuff. But uh, casual NHL fans will listen to a segment like this just simply because you're a draft-eligible player. Uh, they might not know anything about the program or about you. So for the benefit of those people, uh, maybe let's start at the beginning. Uh, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from uh, North Barrington, Illinois. I played... Uh... I played uh, all my youth, almost all my youth hockey uh, there. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing, and and who got you into hockey? Uh, my dad got me into hockey, and I started playing on a team when I was five or six. But I started skating when I was two or three. Oh wow, pretty uh, pretty young. I know you have an older brother too, and and he plays. So was was that part of it? I, I have an older brother. When I was a kid, I just wanted to to do whatever the older brother was doing. So. Was that a part of it too? You just wanted to follow Quinn? Yeah, that was definitely part of it. I wanted to do what he was doing at the time, and I uh, thought it was pretty cool. Well, and now you get to play against each other too uh, in the USHL uh, when you're playing against Muskegon. We'll, we'll get to that in, in a bit, but uh, have you always been a defenseman, Lane, or did you try other positions uh, at, in your younger career? Uh, I've always been a defenseman, and it was more of my dad always wanted me to be a defenseman because he thought I saw the ice pretty well and that's why I started so kind of stuck with it. 
Uh, I know some players, when I talk to them, they, it's like when they were really young, maybe six or seven, maybe their team didn't have a full-time goaltender, so everybody had to rotate through and take their turn. Did you did you have a game like that? Uh, I've I've had played goalie when I was younger. Uh, never again, though. <laughs> uh, all I remember is getting scored on quite a bit, so not great for the team. <laughs> yeah, what, once was enough, eh? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, defense seems to be working out well for you. Uh, tell me when, uh, where you were, and and when the program sort of came onto your radar, because I know it's it's obviously a, a dream for a lot of guys your age, but not everybody can play. There's not that much room uh, to get involved with the program. So when did it come? You know, uh, when did you start becoming aware of it, and when did it become a reality for you? Uh, I started kind of thinking about it more of when uh when I was with uh, the North Jersey Avalanche my uh U16 year I kind of heard that uh like I I, kn- I always knew about the program but they weren't really on my radar I was kind of just playing playing as hard as I can every day and uh just you know doing my part with my team at the time which was uh Avalanche uh, and now being with the program for, you know, a season and a half, uh, almost, Jesus, it, it must feel funny to think that uh, you're only a couple of months away from, from wrapping it up. Yeah, it went really fast. Uh, it's crazy. It's what all our guys on our team talk about it. Like, <laughs> we just remember coming in last year, and uh, now we're almost leaving. Can you compare yourself, you know, Lane Hudson today to what you were when you first arrived at the program, how different of a player you were? Uh yeah, I feel when I, when I came in at the program, I was a little not uh I didn't have as much confidence as I do now. And uh obviously strength, size and uh just all that got better as uh throughout my second well after my first year and uh this year I feel like I can play both ends of the puck at a pretty high level and uh I can contribute offensively a lot more this year than last year because of uh how much my confidence has grown yeah. and um defending has always been a pretty big part of my game too so just keep uh keep building on that too all right, well, Lane, we've been chatting for like ten minutes, and I haven't mentioned size once, but you did, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use that as the gateway and ask you about that because uh, one sheet I'm looking at says five eight one hundred forty eight pounds, but I think that's out of date because I know the the program's website lists you had five nine and one hundred seventy four hundred seventy five. You mentioned uh, getting some size. Uh, that's certainly uh, been the case here. That's uh you know twenty five pounds. That's a lot to put on over a course of a season and a half or so. Yeah, uh, it's just. Uh, it's a lot, but, um, we're doing it the right way with, uh, our, our, uh, trainers here and, uh, without <laughs> losing speed, just putting on the right weight and, uh, yeah, it's just been pretty easy. My, my fault. It doesn't say 174 pounds. It's, that's 174, uh, I think centimeters. Uh, they have it next to the yeah. five, five foot nine. <laughs> so I was, I was giving you a bonus 25 pounds there. What are you like? 150 pounds? Uh, 155. Oh. I was gonna take the 179. <laughs> well done, man. That's good. Don't correct me. That's that's perfect. Um, but my question is, listen. Obviously, you're not six foot three and, and 210 pounds like a lot of guys, even that you're playing against now. So, how, how does a guy your size not just you know get through the league, but have success and be one of the highest ranked players? 
uh, for the upcoming draft when you're at your size. I mean, you, you practice against guys like Cutter Goche, who's 6'3", and you know closing in on 200 pounds. Uh, why is size not a big detriment when uh, when NHL teams are looking at you? Uh, it's just how hard I compete, and I try to uh, take all the little details in my game, like my stick detail, my skating, using my body when I can to close plays. And uh, you know, our, our defensive coach has uh, helped me out a lot with that, with uh, closing plays out sooner, using my feet, using my stick. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been uh, pretty, pretty cool learning from a pretty great defensive coach. Tell me about those times you get to play against Muskegon. How many times have you played against Quinn now? Uh, I think around 13, maybe 14 times. Wow. Throughout this season and last season. All right. Are you keeping a running total to, to know who's got bragging rights? I think, I, I don't know what the total is, but this year we've definitely gotten the better of them. But uh, last year they got the better of us, so I, I feel maybe we're equaling out. All right. It's it's got to be a lot of fun though when you guys get to go head to head. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh, now I know you have a younger brother as well, Cole. Yeah. All right, he's what, fifteen, sixteen? He's fifteen. Take me back to when you were that age and when Quinn was that age, and compare to Cole, who's who's the best of the Hudson brothers at that? You know, a fifteen year old. Uh, right now it's got to be Cole. He's a special player, super fun to watch. He's got huge numbers, sixty two points this year in just twenty three games. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. That's that's more than you had at that age. Yeah. Now you're going to school. Are you going next year to Boston University? Yeah, next year. Yeah. Next year, and so is Quinn, right? So I mean, you guys are uh, obviously uh, looking forward to that. I'm sure. Why why was Boston University the the right program for you, or is it just to be with Quinn? Boston University uh, just has such a history of putting guys in the NHL, and uh, that's the ultimate goal for me and for my brother, and that it really made sense for me. And the, the city is a really special place, and uh just makes it that much better that me and my brother are going. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun for sure. Uh, I haven't asked you about the NHL draft. Is it is it something that you think about much? I know a lot of guys will tell me they don't want to think about the draft and, and get distracted by it or something, but other guys tell me they actively seek out to see who has them ranked where, and they use that as motivation. What about for you, Lane? Uh, I try not to think about it. I just come to the rink, ready to work every day, and uh, whatever happens, happens. Uh, you got to play in the World U18 last year as an underage player. Uh, I have to think, I know it didn't go very well for Team USA in the tournament down in Texas, but uh, to have that opportunity to, to be in a showcase, especially considering what was happening you know, in, in, in the hockey world at the time, not a lot of tournaments were actually being held. Uh, to be able to get to play in that as an underage must have been uh, pretty special. Yeah, it was really cool playing up with the older guys. I learned uh, so much from them, and uh, it was a really great group. Just couldn't get the result we wanted. Uh, for uh, fans who haven't had a chance to watch you play, how do you describe yourself as a player? Because I watched that tournament, and uh, that's where you first caught my eye. Uh, obviously, you stand out because you're not the biggest guy in the world, but you're s- such a good skater and all over the place. But I'm stealing the I'm stealing the scouting report from you. How do you describe yourself to people who want to know how you play? Uh, I think I'm a two-way, 200-foot defenseman who can uh, contribute offensively and uh, knows the defensive responsibility. 
Uh, I think I'm a mobile guy who can uh, find space and uh, find find the open guy and uh, just create plays up ice. 34 points. Only five of them are goals. So you're on. If you're on the power play, you're more of the the guy who's moving the puck around and passing it to the trigger man. You're not the the guy who's got the big clapper from the back end. Uh, that's one thing I've been working on. And uh, yeah, but uh, more of a set the table. But if I if I have a chance to shoot, I've been uh, taking the chance to shoot, and uh, it's been working out pretty well as of late. Uh, lastly, being a, an Illinois guy near the Chicago area, were the Blackhawks your team growing up, or were you cheering for somebody else behind enemy lines? Always a Blackhawks fan. Anyone in particular in the organization that you looked up to? Yeah, uh, Patrick Kane. Well, he's not a defenseman, but he's not a big guy either, so was, was that part of it? I mean, he's awfully skilled. Uh, he, I just He's just so fun to watch. Yeah. And uh, when, when I was younger, I was, always, I was always watching him play, and I was I just thought he was such a special player. Well, Lane, listen, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, best luck to you in the club for the rest of the season and whatever happens to the draft, and uh, maybe we'll chat again when you're at BU. Yeah, thanks for having me. Here's Lane Hudson from Team USA, the development program. Everybody seems to have him ranked inside the top 50, but maybe outside the first-round bubble, so a guy that's probably more in the 35 to 50 uh, sort of range, but you know, not a big guy, but uh, very mobile, and he did stand out to me at the U18s last year down in Plano, Texas, uh, as a guy who he was one to watch for uh, for this season. But obviously that size is uh, going to be something that uh, some NHL teams probably won't even consider. Uh, others, um, you know, uh, some might say, okay, maybe if he's still there in like the fifth round, but it only takes one team uh, and then he'll be gone. Up next, it's going to be an NCAA campus report as we head to uh, Quinnipiac. And uh, their netminder is having one hell of a season. His name is Yanov Peretz. He's a sophomore, but he only played two games all of last year. And out of nowhere, uh, man, this guy is, uh, his numbers this season are ridiculous. And apparently, he doesn't like to talk about his personal numbers. So maybe he'll tell us why next, here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. McLaughlin top the right circle, goal line right, pass through the middle, and a glove save by Colton Point, and a beauty. Man, oh man, what a save by Colton. Hi, it's Colton Point from the Colgate Raiders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. And Ryan Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, but this is an NCAA Campus Report segment, and those are brought to us by College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or you have a player in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your NCAA eligibility, well, get in contact with Mike Snee over at College Hockey, Inc. or go to their website. It's a great resource. Get all of your 
questions answered uh, because there are some uh, some tricky ins and outs, that you, things that you can't do. Well, my guest today is having a terrific season with the Quinnipiac Bobcats. Uh, well, it's a pleasure just to uh, speak with him now. It's Yaniv Peretz. Uh, Yaniv, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, thank you for having me. Pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Uh, I always like to talk to the Canadians who are down south and, and having such a strong season for you and for the team. I mean, things seem to be going very, very well. Uh, how, how would you describe the way the season's gone for the team? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been going really well. You know, we have a really good team, really good coaches, and uh, you know, we have a great group. And hopefully, we could uh, just keep that going. Well, just uh, three losses on the season, and only I mean, you're coming off a loss this past weekend against Clarkson, but uh, I think that was only the second loss since back in October. So, I don't. What were your expectations at the start of this season? Uh, just because of how complicated last year was. I mean, your conference it was just four teams basically playing against each other all year. Yeah, it was definitely uh, different, right, with COVID, you know, and and uh, even like with this year, you know, you don't always know what to expect, you know, what's going to go on with the pandemic. But I think it's important just to kind of enjoy every day and just be thankful just to kind of that, that we do have a season, right? I mean, last year was a bit un- unorthodox, a bit uh, a bit different, but uh, but I mean, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, there's different things going on in the world you can't really control, and whatever happens, happens, right? You were a freshman uh, last season. You only got to play two games because senior Keith Petrozelli was was still there. Usually I would say, how did it prepare you for this year? But having not played, you know, what was that season like? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I actually only joined in uh, in second semester okay. later on because I was actually not I was not going to go in. I was going to go in because uh, Keith was there. I was going back to Penticton. Right. But with uh, but with COVID happening, I we weren't playing games, and I was like, uh, okay, you know, let me go to school and just go here, start practicing, hmm. you know, start getting used to the pace a little bit, you know, start my schooling. So that's, that was the idea going into second semester that I, I knew I wasn't going to play because, you know, Keith's an unbelievable goal and he, he was starting goalie. So, and, uh, so the idea was more for me just to kind of get used to the staff, get used to the practicing. And, you know, and if, if I go into game or not, it doesn't really, didn't really matter. It's not really about that. It was more just kind of getting used to everything, you know. So when I, you know, instead of set, setting us foot there in September and being everything new to me, I was already used to everything come September time. I'm guessing it's fair to say that experience then has probably helped you get off to such a good start here this year start i mean it's already mid into the second half of the season uh but you know that that familiarity probably goes a long way this season yeah for sure you know just getting to know all the guys getting to know you know the kind of culture that that we have here at school so all that stuff just helps and you know yeah i don't know i, I definitely think it did help me to get uh to, to get to know the staff and get to know everyone all, all my teammates earlier on so i thought it was a great idea for sure well, uh, Yaniv, I'm not going to mention your numbers because I was told you don't like to talk about stats and stuff like that during the course of a season. So uh, I'll respect that. But I have to ask you, what's the philosophy behind that? Because it's there. Everybody can see your numbers, but you just don't like to talk about them? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just like to kind of focus on just, just doing your job, right? I mean, if you if you do your job and you know, I'm not really focusing on the numbers, you just kind of do your job, work hard, and, and that kind of stuff kind of takes care of its own. You know what I mean? It's kind of just like a it, it just takes care of its own. So there's no point to always to be looking here, looking there, checking for this, checking for that. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, you still got to go out there and do your job. So for me, it's like if I know that uh, that if I do my job and I play hard and, you know, that that stuff will take care of its own. So there's no there's no reason to get to get wrapped up in what you have, what you don't have, or, or I need this or I need that. So I mean, that, that stuff doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? It's like just like all excess storylines almost. It's like doesn't even... That doesn't really matter, you know what I mean? Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I've had goalies tell me the only stat they care about is wins. Oh yeah, for sure. So like, so that's what I mean. 
I mean, if you do your job, if you help your team win, then yeah. your stats will reflect that. So, you know, if you go into to games, you know, trying to win games, doing what you can to, to just like do your job. When I mean like do your job is like to help your team win and stop pucks, then like your, your numbers will reflect that. So, so if that's what you're going into every single game, not looking to, let's say, you know, try to have a specific stat line, you're just going in there to try winning games and then that's what's going to carry over and everything's going to be fine. Uh, you need Peretz from the, uh, Quinnipiac Bobcats, uh, or Quinnipiac Bobcats. I gotta get the pronunciation. I keep practicing Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac, because I've heard it pr- mispronounced so often. I didn't want to be that guy. How long did it take you to figure out? It, you know, did they hammer it into you? This is how you say it when you first get there. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty quick. It's a pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty well-known school. So you kind of, especially when I uh, went back for my visit back in the day, I feel like you definitely don't have to know how to say it before you go down there. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've heard Quinnipiac and Quinnipiac, but it's. Quinnipiac. All right. Uh, well, the the team has played 31 games. You've been in for two thirds of those. The relationship between a starting netminder and the other guy, and basically a platoon system for the Bobcats this year. I mean, you both want to start, uh, get that ice time, so you're competing against each other, but you got to support each other as well. What's that relationship like with uh, Dylan Saint Cyr and with other goaltenders that you've been platooned with uh, over the course of the career? Is that a delicate balance where you both want to start? But you you got to have a healthy relationship. Yeah, I mean for sure we're both very competitive, and and Dylan's a great. Me and Dylan are very good friends, and he's a great goal and even better person. And you know he works super super hard, and you know it's uh we just kind of push each other every single day to be better, right? So feel that stuff just helps more you know, with competition. You know it's a healthy competition. You know every guy wants to be in net, right? That's what you want. You want to play. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, no, Dylan's a great goalie, and you know it's like a very healthy competition where we both want to being there to help our team win. So every single day we just show up and just push each other to be better. You need Peretz from uh, Quinnipiac, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, let's get to know you a little bit uh, for those who uh, don't know your backstory. Uh, you're from Quebec uh, originally, correct? Yes. Uh, but you've played everywhere. I mean, I'm looking outside of Quebec. You, you uh, went to Ontario to play for the Brockville Braves. What led you there? Uh, yeah, no, it was just a good opportunity. You know, I just uh, wanted to make the jump to juniors. You know, and uh, Brockville was a good opportunity to play. It was pretty close to home, too, and it was a good spot. Hmm. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to go over there and uh, go play there. And the NCDC, uh, a league I think it's it's growing and getting a lot more notoriety, but maybe even as much as little as five years ago, probably not as well known as it's uh, getting to be now, uh, getting to play in Boston. What was the pipeline that took you from the CCHL to there? Uh, yeah, I just had a good opportunity to go play for the Junior Bruins. and. I mean, they've pushed so many guys on to the next level. And, you know, that's where I got my scholarship as well, you know. And Junior Bruins is a great organization. There's so many guys who uh, who move on after playing there, you know. And, and I, I love my time there, and it was a lot of fun. And the coaches are awesome. And, you know, the organization is great. And I thought it was a great opportunity. I've heard nothing but good things about it. So, you know, why not just go play there? So it was playing there that where uh, Quinnipiac first uh, found you and, and uh, you started talking with the school? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Okay, perfect. Uh, and then you, we talked about Keith Petrozelli still with the team. So uh, after you're done in Boston, you're looking for a place where you can get a lot more action. And that, I'm guessing that's what led you to Penticton and playing for Fred Harbison. Yeah, uh, when I got when I committed here, I, I had another year to do, and it turned out to be two years after. But uh, uh, I just uh, wanted to go play in Penticton. You know, I wanted to go back to Canada and Penticton. You know, just uh, I mean, I, I feel like everyone just knows what a great program they have there. Sure. You know what a beautiful town, amazing fan base, and I heard nothing but good things about it. And that's why I wanted to go play. I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be a V, and uh, had the opportunity to go play there. So I, I I had to go, and 
honestly, I, I, I love my days there. You know, the staff is amazing. You know, every, everything about it, you know, from, from the billets to like the whole atmosphere at the rink, the facilities, like it's honestly uh, first class and was so much fun. And I honestly miss my days there. It was a lot, a lot of fun for sure. It's amazing how, how far you've traveled with hockey just in the last five, six years uh, and crossing the border a couple of times to, to get to where you are now. Uh, I don't know if uh, if there was a Quebec Major Junior Hockey League opportunity for you, or did you always had you always decided that you were going the collegiate route? Yeah, no, I always wanted to uh, to go to college. I feel like that's something I wanted to do. You know, as a goalie, you know, it's, uh, I thought it was better. Uh, I thought it was a better idea. So, uh, so yeah, I always wanted to go to college. You know, especially uh, growing up in uh, Lac Saint Louis, they kind of they kind of give you both options. You know, the Quebec League or you know mm-hmm. college, and they kind of show you. Both ones, you know, without pushing you anywhere. But I just thought for myself that, you know, uh, like going to college is a better idea. You get a good education as well. So I thought it was, uh, thought it was a good idea for sure. Uh, you turned 22 in early March, correct? Yeah, I'm turning 22. Yeah. All right. Would you consider yourself a late bloomer at all? Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I, I always have that kind of uh, belief in myself. So, you know, I just got to keep working hard, you know, but, uh, I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't really see it as a as any way at all. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I mean, the 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 draft, the, the NHL draft is behind you now. That's that's not going to be a, a situation for you. But obviously, the the season that you're having, you're going to start getting a lot of pro attention. Uh, is that something you you think about, or do you try to push that aside, just like the stats and all that stuff? You can't really control it yet, so you try not to even think about it. Yeah, no, I try not to really think about it. I mean, just kind of taking it day by day, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I just try to focus day by day, and if you do that, I feel like all that other stuff kind of takes care of itself. And I'm guessing that uh, that's the, the same theory around uh, when it comes to Hobie Baker and the Mike Richter Award, uh, which you're nominated for both at this point and on the radar for both of those things. Uh, individual accolades, not really your thing? I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, it's obviously it's great, right? It's super, super cool. But like I said, yeah, it's more just like a day-to-day thing. You know, I owe a lot of that to my teammates you know the great team we have here too so so i think it's uh it's a bunch of different things i play ren pecknold has been on the uh the show several times over the years uh we've been doing this show since 2006 and you know the bobcats have had a lot of success and, and he's always been a great guest i've never played for him what kind of a coach is he and, and how has he helped you become a better player yeah i mean he's a great coach and he just like i mean it's like the culture that we run here right i mean just uh you know guys working so hard in practice all the time and uh in the gym so just the atmosphere is an atmosphere where people could just develop you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i feel like when guys come in here they, they get better they want to work and you have to work or else you know you're not gonna you know you're, you're not, not gonna stay here so you almost have to put that work in every single day and that's the kind of culture that Rand has here so i mean it's just a good culture to grow as a player and you've uh, being a quebec guy growing up montreal your your favorite team or were you cheering for somebody behind enemy lines no i was definitely a canadian fan growing up i mean I love Carey Price. He's uh definitely a he's a, definitely a huge idol for me and a huge guy. I grew up watching and still watch today, even if he's not playing, I still watch some of his old games. He's uh he's he's uh he's that's why I was a huge house on because of Carey Price for sure. Figured it was it would be Carey Price or or uh, Mark Andre Fleury or one of the two or something like that. Maybe a, a Martin Brodeur in there. Yaniv, I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way here with the Bobcats and uh, whatever happens, maybe we'll chat again. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Yaniv Peretz from uh, the Quinnipiac Bobcats. And, uh, okay, well, here's the numbers that he is putting out there so far this year. 
22 games, he's got 17 wins. He's only given up 18 goals this year in 22 games. That's because he's got 10 shutouts. 10 is his goals against average. An NCAA best, 0.84. His save percentage, an NCAA best, 952. He is having a ridiculous season. But I was told he doesn't want to talk stats. And when I first connected with him, he said it. He said, basically, hello, my name is Yaniv. I don't want to talk about stats. Not quite in those words, but made it very clear early on. So, hey, respect it. And goaltenders are, uh, you've heard the stories. Goalies can be weird. But you respect the, a guy's wishes. And uh, we so we steered away from the actual numbers. But, man, you got to feel pretty good for, for this guy. He turns 22. So he has been... You know, through the BCHL, he's been through the NCDC, he's been in the CCHL, never really on the radar for the NHL draft, but he's had great numbers everywhere he's been. In Penticton with the V's, he was 25, 8, and 2. He had a 918 save percentage, but that year he was already 20 years old, so probably not getting drafted, right? Before that, he was in the NCDC. Not a lot of guys getting drafted right out of the NCDC, and maybe that was part of it for him. Like his quote-unquote worst season was a nine, not even season, 9-11 save percentage in six games with Brockville. The year before that, he was a 9-26. Later that season in the NCDC, he was a 9-30. This guy can stop the puck. And so your next thought is, what, what is he, 5-11? No, he's over six. He's set 6-1. So what is it? I don't know, but you know, he didn't get to play a whole lot last year because of uh, the situation around COVID with uh, the Penticton V's and BCHL not really playing. And then he went to Quinnipiac for the second half just to familiarize himself with uh, the surroundings, which I think is smart and has obviously paid off for him. But, you know, at 22 years old, the season he's having, I I have to wonder, you know, if, if he has pro opportunities calling, if there are NHL teams calling at the end of this season, could you possibly have a better season than this playing college? This might be the year to cash in on that. So we'll see what the future holds for Yaniv Peretz. All right, next up on the Pipeline Show, fingers crossed, but we turn on the 2022 draft spotlight once again, and uh, I'm expecting to be having a conversation with uh, a member of the Winnipeg Ice, who's ranked very, very high this year. His name is Connor Geeky. Hope to have that for you when we come back. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. I'm Trey Fixulaski of the Edmonton Oil Kings. At his own blue line now, Fitzwilliamson cutting in right circle, dances around his man to his backhand, forehand, he scores! Oh my goodness, Trey Fitzwilliamson! What a move! What a shot! What a goal! Oh mama! And this is the Pipeline Show. Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca.
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, everybody. An old man's talking. We're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Uh, we're going to continue on with a 2022 draft spotlight segment, get to know another player eligible for the upcoming draft. And uh, my next guest, having a terrific season, won't have to wait long to hear his name on draft day. He's one of the top-ranked players, not just in the WHL, but in the entire class of 2022. Uh, his name is Connor Geeky, before with the Winnipeg Ice. Connor, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing terrific, but I'm not eligible for the uh, upcoming NHL draft. I imagine these are exciting times. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's pretty cool, you know, seeing your name on uh, on things and stuff like that. And uh, all the attention is pretty different uh, coming out of a small town, but it's definitely uh, definitely a nice thing to have. All right. Well, we'll talk about the draft in a little while, but uh, right now let's focus on the team and and the way you're playing, and uh, after a, you know a couple of weeks off of inactivity for the ice, uh, you get back to playing, and you score 14 goals in two games, and you get right back on track uh, winning. you got to be happy with the way things are going for the club right now. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I think the biggest thing for us, obviously, uh, you know, we've, we've got our rest in and stuff, and I think uh, during that kind of two-week time period, I think we kind of really, you know, set in on our goals and, you know, we made it, we made sure that, you know, everyone is kind of doing their job and everyone was trusting each other. So you could see, you know, if you came to practice, you could see it was a little more pace, a little more battle, you know, in the gym, you know, guys are lifting heavier weights, you know, we're just trying to get that extra step on teams. Well, and for yourself, uh, you've got five points in your last three outings in this season, slightly more than a point per game player. Uh, I, I would have to think that would be, you know, at the start of the season, that would what would be what you would drop for yourself uh, and, and hope you can accomplish something like this. You, I'm guessing you got to be pretty happy with uh, the way you've performed here just on an individual basis, too. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, uh, uh, as most people know, I'm pretty hard on myself with expectations. So definitely, uh, definitely happy with, uh, you know, what I've done and what I've accomplished, but definitely not satisfied. Are you a guy who sets like statistical goals for yourself at the start of the year? I, I want to get this many goals or finish with these many points. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say too much of that. You know, I. I just know. Uh, you know, I kind of know how I go at things, and I'm a very competitive guy. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, having so and so many points, whatever that is, uh, I think just for me, it's more just a personal goal with myself, right? And, uh, two older brothers definitely helps the competitive side too. I was just going to ask about that because it sounds like that would be a pretty natural thing for you. Uh, Connor Geeky is my guest to forward with the Winnipeg Ice. And what we like to do in this part of the show, Connor, is let my audience get to know somebody draft eligible. And uh, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular listeners will know all about the Winnipeg Ice and the WHL, and you're not going to be a stranger to them. But There'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who listen to a segment like this because you're a draft-eligible player and and rank so high, but they might not watch the WHL. They might not know anything about uh, you or the ice. So for the benefit of those listeners, maybe let's start at the beginning. Can you tell me where you grew up? Uh, Yeah, I grew up in a small town of Strathclair, Manitoba. That's uh, what, southwest Manitoba? Uh, yes, I think, I believe so, yes. All right, and I know uh, you, you, you took to hockey fairly young, you got a couple of older brothers, and I imagine it was a case of just wanting to do whatever your older brothers were doing? Uh, yeah, uh, obviously my dad was very good at, you know, whether you want to play chess or you want to play checkers, whatever it may be, you know, <laughs> they're always going to support us, but I think, uh, you know, baseball and hockey was definitely where I found my love growing up. 
And your dad played in the WHL as well. Now, he was a defenseman, though, and we know your older brother Morgan is is a forward. You're a forward. Uh, Noah, when he played, was he a forward as well? Uh, yes, he was. So was there any pressure to be a defenseman for any of you because dad was a defenseman? No, I think it was more, uh, you know, I think our, my dad uh, kind of knew our skills, right? You know, our IQ and our vision. So I think uh, we all kind of had that natural goal-scoring ability, playmaking type, uh, type spiel. Uh, so I think it was not so much pressure, but just, you know, he, he just let us kind of fit where he thought we would do best. At, at your height, you could be a good goaltender too. Did you ever have one of those, you know, <laughs> the, maybe when you're like seven or eight years old, your, your team might not add a full-time goalie. And uh, when I talked to players, a lot of them would say they had to take their turn and sort of rotate through. Did you ever uh, strap the pads on when you were little? Yeah, actually, I uh, I did for two games. Uh, you know, my dad never let me, and in one game, uh, he he made me go on net against uh, one of the better teams in the league. So <laughs> I think uh, we lost something like twenty-two to twenty or something like that. So pretty impressive for our team to keep it up, but definitely uh, wasn't my forte. Jeez, you just had to give your team a stop, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> pretty bad. Your, your team loses and they score 20 goals. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't good. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, Connor Geeky, my guest here on the program. Uh, take me back to the Bantam draft. Uh, I know a lot of guys that were at school following along to see how it would unfold, and other guys were at home. I, I've talked to some players who were off in Philadelphia at a, at a tournament. Uh, what was draft day like for you? Yeah, so obviously uh, it was kind of a big deal, you know, with, uh, you know, everything coming up and, you know, my projection and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I my family's pretty good at just taking things, you know, as, as a normal day. So I actually got up, uh, you know, around 6 a.m. to go to the dentist. Uh, you know, we just got back. Uh, so I got to school at around 8.39, and that's kind of when the draft was. And when I found out I got drafted... Uh, you know, it was, it was a special feeling, uh, you know, I, I cherish every moment of it and I, I congratulate everyone who does get drafted. But for me, it was more, uh, you know, just another day, right. Uh, you know, I had math class, the next class and still went to that, you know, I had social studies, the next class. And I actually ended up going to badminton provincials that weekend as well. Uh, so it was, it was kind of a, it was a very cool experience, obviously. And I, I cherish every moment and it's a one of a kind feeling, but. I think uh, for the most part, uh, I just tried to keep it as a regular day. And there was really no shock that uh, that you were going to be taken so early in the draft, second overall that year, and uh, and uh, ended up being Winnipeg. Nice that it was, uh, you know, it was right in Manitoba, so you're still close to home, and your friends and family can come watch. Yeah, it was definitely nice. Uh, I think when when we found out they were moving to Winnipeg, it was it was a pretty cool cool feeling and. I think Brandon was always, uh, you know, the closest one to home, but it's good to, you know, change it up. So every time we play in Brandon, it's uh, it's pretty uh, heated rivalry. All right. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, how do you describe yourself as a player? Because we can look and see the stats and 44 points right now in 40 games as we're chatting. Uh, and uh, uh, But that might not tell the whole story. So how do you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm a... I'm a big forward, obviously, but uh, I think I like to look at myself as more of a playmaker. Uh, you know, I, I compare myself to Leon Dreisaitl and Alexander Barkov, uh, you know, kind of plays like that in the offensive zone, you know, head up, uh, you know, have a lot of faith in, uh, you know, finding seams and uh, looking for soft passes and stuff like that. Uh, I think... I use my creativity a lot, uh, but most importantly, uh, I, I like to shoot the puck quite a bit, uh, and I'm a 
just kind of been working on, you know, hitting the net, hitting my spots, and I think it's all starting to come. So hopefully uh, we can keep that up. I, I when The first time I saw you play, Nolan Patrick came to mind, a former Brandon Weeking that was in the WHL not all that long ago. Do you see any similarities there? I know you, you mentioned Barkov and, and Drysaddle, pretty lofty comparisons. These are some of the best players in the, in the entire NHL. But, you know, Nolan Patrick as a Brandon Weeking, do you see similarities there? Yeah, definitely. And obviously, uh, I'm not trying to compare myself, uh, you know, to Drysaddle and Barkov, obviously, because of the game. Uh, you sure. know, they're far more superior than I was in junior. Uh, but I think, yeah, Nolan Patrick is definitely, uh, you know, a good comparison when he was a junior. Uh, I used to grow up watching him and, you know, that Memorial Cup run they had and, uh, you know, how good that team was. I think it was pretty cool just, you know, grow up around him and watch him play my brother. But, uh, you know, still see him go second overall in the NHL draft. It was a pretty cool feeling. Uh, for for you to get to have success at the next level, uh, are there areas, what, which areas of your game do you still want to work on the most? A lot, most guys would tell me they want to get bigger and stronger, but I mean, you're six foot four and 200 ish pounds already. So you, you got the size part uh, already down. I'm, I'm sure the man strength will kick in if it hasn't already, but when it comes to your skill set and, and the way you play on the ice, so what areas do you have to short up the most? Yeah, I think obviously the defensive zone would, uh, you know, would be a big helper for me. Just, uh, you know, learning to stop on pucks a little more, uh, you know, always keep my feet moving, you know, be ready to jump on any opportunity I can. Uh, but definitely uh, D-zone and skating. Uh, you know, I've really worked on skating and, you know, trying to get that explosive power out. So I think those are the, the two biggest ones for me. With uh, with COVID the last couple of years, you, you've kind of been robbed of all those showcase events, the U-17s and things like that. I haven't played for Canada yet, as far as I know, uh, because of that. Um, the CHL top prospect game coming up and you and Matt Savoya are going to represent the ice. I imagine that's exciting for you. How important is it for you just to get the, that opportunity? I, I know the scouts are watching you every night already, but to play in a big showcase event like that, what does it mean? Yeah, I think it's it's obviously, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Uh, you know, me and me and Matt have, you know, worked pretty hard uh, this whole season just trying to get to, get to that point and hearing that it was back on, you know, as a, bit of a sigh of relief because you know we've been snubbed a few times when it comes to stuff like that but for me it's just a cool experience you know my brother never really got to go through it uh i think it's it's cool you know unique just being a part of that uh that class of players and uh you know i hope to have a good time there which i know i will but i'll be uh definitely excited to get back to the team just a couple more for you uh, connor because i know you got to run you got more interviews coming up busy guy uh, when it comes to the draft, a, a lot of players will tell me they try not to think about it at all because it could be a distraction and take them off their game. But other players tell me they actively look to see who's got them ranked where, and they use that as motivation. Everybody has you ranked as a first rounder, but uh, do you think about the draft much or you try to push that aside? No, I think uh, when it comes to the draft, uh, like I said, you know, I, I got a really good family uh, when it comes to, you know, keeping my mind off hockey and uh, you know, I got really good supporters, uh, you know, kind of all around, uh, you know, the team and stuff like that. But I, I, I wouldn't say I look at many rankings. Uh, you know, I have my buddy from home that'll send me one and, you know, congratulate me and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I'm more curious than, uh, you know, we've been ranked number one team in the country, uh, you know, eight weeks in a row, you know, stuff like that. I think that's, that's a lot bigger for me because I think that's, you know, that's my goal as of right now is, you know, win a championship with this team and uh, see how far we can go. Obviously, you know, I, I appreciate the draft and uh, definitely, you know, it, it 
it humbles me, uh, you know, just to see it. And, you know, it makes me definitely happy and all my hard work's paying off, but I think, uh, I try and stay away from it as much as I can. You got a big weekend coming up, a trip through Alberta. You're, uh, in the standings, a second place behind Edmonton, but if, that's by points. If you go by point percentage, you're the top team in the entire uh, WHL, but this trip through Alberta, it's a pretty important one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think we're, we're excited to get on the road. Obviously, uh, I think we have seven games in nine days or something silly like that. So it'll it'll definitely be a grind, but uh, I know we're up for it. Well, in this uh, stretch through March, I think you play from March 2nd to March 29th, something like 16 games. That's a lot of games in a very short period of time. And I am still waiting for the league to announce that they're going to uh, push the uh, end of the regular season back a little bit. So maybe the schedule gets adjusted. But any concerns with that many games in such a short period of time? Uh, I wouldn't say too much concerns. Uh, you know, we're we're a pretty good team. Uh, you know, we've done our fitness testing. You know, we work out uh, almost every day. So I think we're definitely ready for the challenge. Obviously, you know, you're going to have ups and downs. You know, guys might tweak something and you got to play a role that, you know, you're not used to playing. But, uh, you know, with this group of guys, it's definitely a special group. And I think everyone's up for up for the challenge. And, you know, obviously we have goals set as a team and as an organization to, you know, win however many games out of 16, right? You know, we uh, we definitely have motivation and we're excited to get things going. Connor, I know you got to run, so uh, we'll we'll end it here. I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way with the ice and whatever happens to the draft. I hope we can chat again. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you. That was Connor Geeky of the Winnipeg Ice, one of the uh, top-ranked players out of the Western Hockey League, and uh, everybody seems to have him as a first-round pick. Many people have him in the top 20. A lot of people have him in the top 10. He is definitely going to be one of the first players from the Western Hockey League to hear his name on draft day. It's kind of interesting to see where he'll go with uh, Matthew Savoy, one or the other. Savoy has got lots of skill. He's got more points. Geeky is the bigger body, but has a lot of points as well. And then maybe there's a wild card uh, in the, from the WHL uh, that can sneak in there uh, into that conversation as well. Lots of hockey still to be played in the season this year, and a lot of hockey for the Winnipeg Ice in the month of March. And uh, sources still tell me that, uh, and I haven't seen an official announcement yet, but fully expecting the WHL to push the end of the season back uh, towards maybe the third week of April, something like that, because uh, there's a number of games that have been postponed and have yet to be uh, officially rescheduled. That, you know, like uh, for example, the Oil Kings and the uh, Red Deer Rebels were supposed to play this past Tuesday. That was postponed, and I believe that's going to be played in like mid-April. Uh, and I think uh, every team in the league probably has three or four games that uh, were postponed at one point, and uh, will probably fall into that. Uh, couple of weeks at the end of the season or after what is currently the end of the season so i would expect that to be announced well geez you would think sometime soon but uh the ice as it stands right now 16 games in a 27 day stretch in march that is a lot of hockey not a lot of downtime and uh not you know they've done a good job of keeping it all within manitoba and saskatchewan so not extensive travel probably half or more than half of those games are at home uh, so they've done a good job in that regard uh, but still, a little worried about fatigue setting in, and when that happens, so do injuries often, and we don't want that. So best of luck to the Winnipeg Ice. We'll see them here in Edmonton on Monday on uh, Family Day. It's a 2 o'clock start on Tuesday, but uh, they're in Calgary and Red Deer before that and uh, Lethbridge after the trip into Edmonton. So uh, a busy weekend here coming up 
for the Winnipeg Ice. We've got one more segment to go. It could be a long one because it usually is when Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet joins me. And we'll do that next. We'll talk about the newest rankings out at Sportsnet for the 2022 draft, as well as the top prospect game in the Canadian Hockey League. All that with Sam next here on the Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And Raymond stays with him, Lafreniere pokes it ahead, still has it. Rolling puck, Lafreniere works it, shoots, scores! What a goal by Alexis Lafreniere! A superstar in the making! This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Make it better. Turn up the good. Turn down the suck. Final segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Uh, check it out at wilhockbeefjerky.com. Uh, and we're going to close things out while he's the headliner. That's uh, that's why we got to end the show with the big guest. And that is Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. Welcome back to the program, Sam. How are things? Yeah, doing well. Thanks. Nice to be back uh, with you, Guy, talking a little prospects. you got to love it. Well, it's perfect timing because the announcement for the uh, the 40 players going to the top prospect game in the CHL has been released. You just had uh, updated your rankings at Sportsnet. Uh, we can touch on that as well. But maybe let's start with the top prospects. And uh, I, I think, you know, no, there's no glaring, huge glaring omission to me. I know uh, the Halifax Mooseheads uh, might be a little disappointed that one guy didn't get uh, a look. But was there anything significant in terms of guys who you would have liked to have seen who aren't going to the top prospect game? No, I got to be honest with you. I was pouring through the list there pretty good uh, this morning. A little bit when it came out, I think it was out yesterday. And nothing really jumped out at me. Like, I'm going through my list and, and my rankings, and uh, everyone that's present there is, from the CHL is going to be in the game. So, you know, it's, it should be it should be good. And the players are going to be excited. I mean, you know, there's a reason it, it went to Kitchener. Well, there's a couple of reasons it, it went to Kitchener. I mean, they had planned for that going back to February 2nd. And when, you know, Ontario was, was in sort of a phase two lockdown, if you will, mm -hmm. um, they knew that they were going to be able to play it there at some point. Um, they had already sold out half the building for the February 2nd date. And because Kitchener gets about 8,000, 8,500 in there, they felt pretty strongly that if they got into March, that they would be able to sell out the building. So anticipating a sellout there, really good hockey market, close to Toronto, about an hour uh, away, close to the to the Buffalo-U.S. border, about maybe an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes away, and then pretty close to the to the U.S. border, uh, you know, going into Detroit if it's not jammed up, about probably two, two and a half. So the, it, being centrally located, you know, scouts can fly in from other parts of the country and, and do a one-stop shop uh, direct into Toronto and take a, take a car out to Kitch. And then, you know, teams that are coming from uh, from across the border that if they want to do it that way and drive across through the, the New York or the Michigan borders, it, it has easy access. So a lot of key reasons why why it's there. 
Um, and oddly enough, they don't have a player playing in the game. So yeah. I think that's, uh, you don't, you don't really see that. And I guess in this particular case, it just kind of happened to play out. Feels like a, a an off, like a, an odd year. It's, I mean, it's pretty rare that the Kitchener Rangers don't have a guy that's draft eligible, at least on the radar uh, for essential scouting. Yeah. So, so true. So, uh, again, I find it really, I don't know if in all the years that I did the game that, that we ever saw that where the home team didn't have at least the, you know, one player in the game. So the crowd there though, I mean, they're, they're into it. They're really good hockey fans. They've supported all the major events that have gone through there in years past, whether it's the, the Memorial cup in 2008 or, you know, Canada, Russia series that, uh, that have been played there. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it being a, being a great venue and, uh, I'm looking forward to it to being relatively close to home, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, this is always a marquee event for the scouts uh, to kind of assess guys and evaluate them head-to-head in the, in the same game. It does have the feel a little bit of an all-star game, but there's a little bit on the line. There can be some physical play. and con- We saw a fight even when uh, Steve Stamkos got in a fight in yeah. the CHL top prospect game back here in Edmonton. Uh, I wonder if, if for the OHL guys, considering a lot of them didn't play at all last season, and a lot of these guys haven't played for U17s or, or anything like that, how big, how important this year's top prospect game is in the grand scheme of things compared to maybe in uh, you know in 2016, for example, when we would have seen all of those marquee events? Is this year's top prospect game even more important? Well, I'd like to think so. Um I think what's important about it is that, that the leagues will have had some steady and consistent play moving up to that point. I mean, we saw uh, the Quebec league come back late from the break. They extended by, uh, you know, close to a month before getting back onto the ice. We've seen uh, some stoppages uh, with with several Ontario teams having to be, um, you know, in COVID protocols or change schedule or shut down. And then the Western hockey league has has done a pretty good job in, in maintaining some consistency, but, you know, you, you want to see players coming into that that event coming in hot, where they've played, uh, you know, a consistent number of games, where they've been able to, to string together a series of games to really strut their stuff and then be able to take what they can identify as their best assets into that game. So having said all that, that that's a key part to the, all this. But the other part is, yeah, I think it has a little bit more importance because we haven't had many opportunities to see best on best uh, within the age group. And I think that might lend itself to a little bit heavier, more physical, more uh, challenging type game where you're going to have a lot of people with their backs up and, and trying to prove things, especially the kids from Ontario, the 18 that are, that are in the game from Ontario. I remember the, uh, the prospect game that was in Red Deer, I think it was 2019. Um, and you were there, you guys were doing the, the games then. And it was the first time that I'd noticed Peyton Krebs, stand out in a game because when he was with the Kootenai Ice, they were terrible and they would always come through Edmonton and Edmonton would always be at the high end of their cycle and they would just dominate the Kootenai Ice. So Peyton Krebs never stood out. But at an event like that where he's playing with really good players all around him, I think he had Kaliev and maybe Suzuki with him uh, in that game and he was outstanding. He might have been the best player of the game that year. Yeah. Is there a guy that you're looking at this year that might be in a similar situation where you're thinking you know what, he's a really good player. Maybe he doesn't have the opportunity to shine all that much, but when he gets in an event like this, he's going to have really good line mates everywhere, and we're going to see him blossom. Does, it, does somebody, when I describe it like that, immediately come to mind? You might think it's odd, but I'm going to say Shane Wright. I mean, mm. he's he's you know taken some criticism here lately uh, 
in in the media with with this play and some uh, you know a lot of scouts that I've talked to have been concerned about his play here so you know it's going to be an opportunity for him to get back on the big stage the last time we saw that he was at the world juniors and although it was just two games he's not a guy that you noticed at all right you noticed Connor Bedard more than you did did Shane Wright and then his previous big stage before that of course was the under 18s where he was absolutely brilliant now he's not going to have the runway that he had at the under 18s but he is also going to have an opportunity here to really establish himself or reestablish himself as the clear cut number one guy in this game. You know, typically going into it, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even be considering talking about Shane Wright, number one, or whoever the number one prospect would have been whatever year we were in. But I think this year things are, are a little bit different and I think it'll be a good uh, proving ground for Shane. So to answer your question, he's the guy that I'll be looking for to, uh, you know, kind of be head of the class in that game. I don't know how many games you've actually been able to attend, depending where you are in the country. Things have been kind of uh, closed in some places while they're open in other places, so it's been tricky. And I know you've been calling games, some of them from studios and maybe some of them in person as well. But um, when it comes to maybe, outs- like, have you have you been to any Q games or WHL games in person or just the OHL this year so far? No, just the OHL so far. So there there is plans. Um, I got a plan at the end of March to get in and see the under 18s for for three straight games so really looking forward to that hope that gets approved by by the company and and uh, you know getting that opportunity I think Youngstown is in for two of them so they got a kid there Adam Ingram who yep. was pretty highly thought of Canadian uh, would you know yeah Manitoba guy if yep. I'm not mistaken That's right um, but I'd be really looking forward to to that opportunity you know the five or six guys that are projected to be in the first round from the program plus Ingram would give you a nice cross section of you know maybe 22 or 23 percent of the first round um in terms of q viewings i'm going through their schedule and it's and it too has been moved around a little bit but mm-hmm. because they're playing later i think i'll have an opportunity at some point in april to get in there maybe just before they get into their playoffs so that's going to have to be strategically done i mean Gatineau's a team uh, a i want to see the new barn b it's easy for me to get to ottawa they got a couple of guys there and then it's just a matter of picking an opponent um, that's going to provide you know an additional viewing but with the way things are going right there uh, right there right now at the standoff it's not even in my conscious until we uh, until we get into April. Well, the reason I ask is because when you're watching so many games on uh, uh, television, you know, it's not like you're ignoring the Q in the WHL, but you're kind of limited to watching what's on the the, the screen. Everybody knows that you you take away more when you're actually there in person because you can see the guy away from the yep. puck and things like that. So thinking of that, are there WHL guys or uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League guys coming to the top prospect game that you're going to focus on specifically, just like personal interest uh, because of what you've seen on camera in the games, you want to see the the whole picture on these guys? Well, definitely the Seattle guys, the, the trio there, Schaefer and Gustafson and Korchinski for mm-hmm. sure because that's going to, you know, that's, the team that I'm not going to be able to get the opportunity to see. And then I think about the, the three Kamloops guys as well. So there's going to be some opportunities, you know, with, uh, with what they have Lindgren and, and, uh, and Semenov and um, getting the opportunity to watch those guys. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's just about everyone in the West. I mean, if I had to, you know, try and think about getting some viewings in there again, it would be, you know, past the past April 1st. And at that point, because the guys are so spread out, you know, what, what would it be? And would my 
budget, if I have it, to be better suited to do something else right. and continue to watch those guys on video. So, But definitely the Seattle guys are going to be on my radar for that game. Owen Pickering's another one that's gotten a lot of love. Um, so those guys, Matejchuk, of course, I do know him a little bit, so it's not as as necessary. Uh, but definitely the the Kamloops guys, the Seattle guys, and uh, and then take it from there. The segment uh, right before you was a conversation I had with uh, Connor Geeky of the Winnipeg Ice. Oh yeah, you know this is a guy who's getting a lot of attention. You actually have him really high in your ranking. We'll get to your ranking in a second, but uh, the the two Winnipeg guys, when you're trying to decide between them. One's smaller, uh, and Savoy is smaller and maybe more skilled, but Geeky's that prototypical pro power forward type guy, and he's putting up numbers as well. How do you pick what's more valuable at the NHL level? Yeah, it's a, that's such a key question. And there'll be some teams that will definitely be biased towards the size and then have Geeky ahead of Savoy for that reason. Mm-hmm. But if we go back to when Savoy was being mentioned in the same sentence as Shane Wright in terms of you know becoming that exceptional player, it didn't work out, but you know, I, I don't know if the WHL has ever ruled the way it has with the ability for Winnipeg to use uh, Matthew the way they did in this in 50-year-old season where he got to play in almost half the games, if I'm not mistaken. And so uh, I just look at him as a, as a playmaker, a guy who passes the puck, like he passes it with purpose. He can really shoot it. Uh, he doesn't mind getting involved physically, I think a little bit more at this point than even Connor does, uh, which is odd because he's smaller. So it's going to be kind of pick your poison, but there'll definitely be some teams that would, would have geeky ahead of Savoy just based on that size bias alone. Um, and again, it's, it's kind of pick your poison. Is there a positional need that you feel that you need to address? Because both guys can play uh, center. I, I think they can, but maybe Savoy because of his size gets moved to the wing in the NHL hmm. and maybe geeky gets biased towards center because of his size when it comes to his NHL career. So yeah, it, those two are really good prospects. They're they're great guys. I, I was in there in November. Uh, we're putting together some feature stuff on both of those players right now. So got to know them a little bit, got to watch them play. So, uh, yeah, I really, really like both of those guys. And I think it's going to be more, um, you know, team a team bias, depending on what that bias is for that particular team. If you had to take best player available strictly on that alone, boy, that would be a tough one. But I think Savoy has a slight edge there. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Before we move on to your rankings, uh, the four goalies who are coming to the top prospect game, three of them are from the WHL and one from the Q. And it sounds like this year's draft really not that strong or deep uh, for goaltenders. Do you think the, the COVID situation, no OHL season last year, really limited in both the Q and the WHL? Do you think that impacted goaltenders more than other positions, or is it just a, a down year regardless uh, for goalies? in the CHL this year? Well, a bit of both, but I think the COVID thing is, is definitely is definitely a factor, and probably the bigger of the two factors as to why that, that might be. But, yeah, it's it's difficult. I know in Ontario, I mean, you know, Roman Bazrin and, and Joe Ranger, like literally two two cast-off guys, with, with all due respect to both of them, yeah. um, you know, have been leading the league most of the year for a Mississauga team that's been a surprise. I mean, Basman got waved right through the Western Hockey League. And if you look at his numbers in Ontario, you'd be hard-pressed to think that there wasn't at least three or four WHL teams that could have used him. So maybe that tells you a little bit about about some of that um, impact that COVID has had in the Ontario Hockey League. So I I don't know. It's um, a little bit of a down year for keepers, for sure. 
uh, someone's always going to emerge. Um, but, but definitely at that position more so than any, you need to just get mileage. And, and oftentimes and gee, you've seen it where, you know, a team might have a really good young goaltender, uh, but he's playing behind a, a veteran guy. So yeah. do you want him there for tutelage? Yeah. But do you also want to send him maybe to, a, to, you know, to tier two so that he can actually play games? And that oftentimes tends to be the better decision. All right, let's go to your rankings, uh, which people can find at sportsnet.ca. Uh, Shane Wright, number one. Joachim Kemmel is uh, number two. Logan Cooley, three. And the guy I want to talk about is Yuri Slavkowski, who's uh, coming in on the ranking at number four. Correct me if I'm wrong, that would be pre-Olympics. And what he's doing over there, he's got five goals in five games and leading Slovakia in scoring right now. You know, if you were doing the ranking today, would that have influenced and we might even see him higher? Yeah, it has to. I think he's hit a couple of posts and crossbars too, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) So he he might be able to have seven goals at at, at this point. And that's unheard of. I mean, he's still 17. Yeah. His teammate, Simon Nemec, I think turned 18 yesterday. Um, but the guy's 17 years old. He doesn't turn 18 until March. It's crazy to think that he's leading the Olympics. And I don't care what competition is there. At 17 years old in, in hockey, that's he's doing some unbelievable stuff. So it's nice to see, Guy, because if you think about his 21 games in Liga, I think he's only got six points, and yep. maybe two of them are goals. Or, and then you go to the Olympics against what you would anticipate to be stiffer competition little bit more opportunity but much tougher competition you would think and he's already put up five five goals so impressive stuff from the big guy he's got really good hands he plays with some pace he doesn't mind going to you know going when the when the going gets rough so he's going to be a fascinating guy but I think you have to enter him into that conversation as as being a a contender for number one yeah he's uh, he's got four points uh, in the league of this year and only one of them are goals uh, and uh, 21 games played uh, so uh, having a outstanding breakout here uh, at the Olympics and maybe would have done the same at the World Junior, except we were all robbed of that uh, yeah. the way it was shut down early. But uh, all right. So is is it a tight race after that? Like when you're looking at defensemen this year and we, there's a couple of high end uh, Euros in Simon Nemec uh, and uh, uh, David Juracek, uh, what separates those two guys in your mind? It's funny because Juracek's hurt, but so was Morgan Riley when he got drafted and Toronto took him fifth. That's right. 2012. I believe it was his draft here. So, you know, there is some impetus for that to happen. I think about Brett Connolly was injured a good chunk of his uh, draft year. So was Alex Galchenyuk. All those guys went high in the in the first round. So, you know, there is precedence for that to have been done before. And especially when you're talking about what many people thought before his injury was the top defenseman available. Um, I think, though, Guy, like as we get into um, more consistency, consistency in terms of scheduling i do think you're going to see a couple of guys start to evolve uh from that group and start to challenge those two defenders right now um and, and that's going to be a, a fun part to watch you know is it uh, get out of Saginaw? is it tristan luno is it pickering making that huge rise is it korchinski making that that big rise so i don't know i guess when it comes to, to the two guys that are currently ranked you see both guys have the ability to, you know, to do a lot of different things. They bring skating to the table. They bring some puck handling ability, maybe a little bit more uh, offensive upside for Juracek and maybe a little bit more of a, of a more complete player, uh, player when it comes to Nemec. And you can't forget about it. He was picked to play in the Olympics too. He's only playing about seven and a half minutes per game, but he does have an assist and he's played in every game. Right. So there, there is that too to consider, you know? Um, 
but yeah, the, the defenseman right now, we're looking at a smaller forward, heavy draft, but I think a few of the D men are going to emerge as, as we get to, you know, into the second half when, when games are being played more consistently. There's a Russian that seems to be a, a divisive uh, player. It's, either people either really like him or they're kind of still waiting to be wowed by him. That would be Ivan Mirishnachenko. Uh, you have him pretty high and in, just on the edge of your top 10. Well, just inside the top 10. Any concerns uh, from you or the, have you just seen as much uh, from him as you need to that you're convinced he's going to be a good NHLer? Well, you know, Liga and VHL stuff, is, is it's tough to come by. So you have to kind of take what you can get when it comes to the international events. And I think at the under 18s, he still holds a lot of currency from that event for me. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm hanging my hat on. So you hope that there's an opportunity for, for a guy like that to continue to get some, some looks in some big situations. But as it currently stands right now, uh, it's more for me living off of that, uh, that currency that we've uh, been established going back to, to the under 18s. Uh, the uh, U.S. National Development Program pumping out the guys again. I think you had seven in your top 32 from the program. Uh, they did whatever they're doing. They just keep uh, turning them out. Uh, is this year? You know, you go back to like the Trevor Zegris year and Matt Boldy that year. Yeah. That group is it that caliber or is it you know a, a hair below that? Because that was a ridiculously deep year. Yeah, the, the 2001 born guys, and you're seeing them start to have uh, an impact in the National Hockey League now. But not not I wouldn't. I don't think we can compare this group. This is a smaller forward base group, um, you know, more of a, a workman like than we are dazzled by the skill of this group, yet there still does exist uh, in some areas. Uh, but, you know, I don't think we're talking about the, the Jake Sanderson when it comes to the D's. You're talking about guys, you know, like Cooley, whatever, he's 5'10", 175 pounds. Frank Nazar is, you know, similarly built. Um, you know, you get a bit more size with McGrory, but you don't get the same, uh, you know, skating ability when it comes to him. Um, you got Cutter Goche and Jimmy Snuggerud, who are bigger guys who are starting to, you know, starting to really shine here as the as the program continues along in its schedule. So it, it's a it's a good group. We'll probably see five or six get drafted out of that group in the first round. But I don't think it's comparable to the 01 group. All right, fair enough. The uh, now the draft itself uh, still scheduled with uh, maybe a, an asterisk next to it, but uh, the plan is to be in Montreal. We'll have the top prospect game, which is great. Have you heard anything about the combine and and how confident are you uh, that the draft will go as planned in uh, what early July in Montreal? Yeah, I think it. I think it will still stay on that date. I don't know where it will be. I think you know the, the province of Quebec really has to kind of make that determination on where they want to go. Obviously they're going to look after their, their citizens and, and helping the number one concern. Uh, but I do think in, in that situation, you know, Gary Bettman even talked about it at the all-star game that we need to start moving on this thing. If we're going to end up moving, it's not an event that you can plan overnight. So, you know, it would be cool to see it in Montreal, just based on the fact that Montreal is going to have a couple of first round picks and, and a good shot at selecting first overall. And you kind of like to see that when you're in the home barn of the team that's that's picking there. Uh, having said that, you want to be able to give the kids the you know the best experience possible, and that would be a full barn. As it stands right now, we're kind of teetering on that in Quebec, and who's to say that it may not go backwards again at some point either? So I think we'll you know we'll get to the trade deadline, and then um, you know by the time we get past that, we'll have a pretty good sense of of where we are when it comes to where the draft's going to be held. 
Now the combine, uh, you know, it typically it's after the Memorial Cup. Um, now with the Memorial Cup having moved along mm-hmm. and starting June 20th, that may impact the combine and it may impact the players that go there. But typically, I think they want to keep it after the cup because, you know, in the case of Jonathan and Duran and, and Nathan McKinnon, who went one three in 2013, you had those guys come from the cup. Now, I, you know, I think one of them participated and the other didn't. But the fact of the matter is you kind of want to have your super high end guys there if they're playing for a team that's participating in the cup. But I guess COVID has sort of thrown that out the window and, you know, we'll see how it goes when it comes to the scheduling. But as far as I can remember, it's scheduled for early, I want to say early June, um, the combine, May 29th to June 4th, as far as I know right now. Yeah, I think that timing uh, fits to what it usually is right around that first weekend of June. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, whether that changes, who knows, but I do think they want to have it. I think, you know, Buffalo has done such a great job over the years of having it. They've missed out on having it the last couple of years with the, with the border expected to to open up, um, you know, going back and forth. Again, we talked about the proximity to Toronto where it's easy for guys to fly in there and then drive the hour and 20 minutes to get to Buffalo. Right. Or in, instead of, you know, fooling around and having to take a couple of flights in the U S to get to Buffalo, it's, it's, pretty easily accessible through Ontario. So that I think situation will present itself and that may, uh, you know, may cement this thing moving forward. Sam, any other uh, CHL stories that you've got your eye on uh, as we watch down the, the stretch towards the playoffs and, uh, and things like that? Well, pretty crazy stuff as usual in the Quebec major junior hockey league, but none, none crazier than, than what St. John did and all of its uh, deadline day acquisitions. I want to say between eight and, and 10 new players were brought in there. Um, they knew they were going to have to make moves. I think the cup being awarded to them was predicated on them making moves at the trade deadline. Trevor Georgie didn't disappoint. Uh, went out and added some some huge pieces. Uh, now we got to see if it's going to work out. I mean, you play against Charlottetown, same division. They're unbelievable this year. You got to go up against Halifax. They're always good. Acadie Bathurst, I believe, has a lot more to give than what we've seen from from that program so far, they too made a couple of big deals. So uh, it's definitely not a fait accompli where St. John is, you know, going to run this thing through the front door. Uh, they're going to be challenged severely in their own division, first of all. All right. Well, Sam, listen, as always, man, really, really appreciate the, when you make time for the Pipeline Show. And hopefully, knock on wood, maybe we'll uh, see you at a rink sometime soon. Yeah, I would love that, Guy. Thanks for having me on. Longtime friend of the Pipeline Show, that is Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. And he is this week's final guest, thanks to uh, both of the players that you heard from earlier this week that are draft-eligible uh, guys, those being Lane Hudson from Team USA and Connor Geeky of the Winnipeg Ice. Yaniv Peretz, goaltender with uh, Quinnipiac, also in the mix on this week's uh, episode. It was great to chat with all three of those players, and of course Sam always delivers the goods when he's on the Pipeline Show. Next week on the program, well, don't have any confirmed guests just yet. Have lots of ideas. You know what? Maybe it's time I open the request line. Are there some players or guests, media-wise, or play-by-play people, or whatever it is, who would you like to hear on the Pipeline Show, whether they're draft-eligible players or whatever it is? Let me know. Fire me off a, a, a message on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy. I think my DMs are always open, as the kids say. Why don't you let me know if there is a, a guest in particular that you would like to hear on the Pipeline Show. 
And a quick reminder, you can go to patreon.com slash the pipeline show, sign up to be a subscriber, and you can get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the show. Those are usually done. Let's say I do an interview on a Tuesday afternoon. Well, about an hour later, that is all edited, put together, and uploaded to Patreon and available for patrons to hear that entire segment. And that is uh, two bucks a month or 10% less than that if you sign up uh, with an annual package. So for the cost of less than a, a coffee every month, you can get early access to the Pipeline Show. You can submit questions for the guests that are coming up because I usually am able to give people a heads up of what the guest list will be. So if that's uh, something that sounds like it would be of interest to you and, uh, and that you value the show, you want to make sure that it keeps going, patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, the place to do that. All right, the Oil Kings are in action a couple of times uh, this weekend. They've got Winnipeg on Monday for a marquee matchup, but it should be a fun one on Saturday as well. The Saskatoon Blades are in town. They're an entertaining team. And uh, Les Lazarick, Mr. 2000, Mr. 2000 and plus games now in the Western Hockey League, will cross paths at Rogers Place, so looking forward to that. Until next week, I hope you have a chance to get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that we can talk about it next week right here on the Pipeline Show which is brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya!